The deal is this. <laughs> tell you when I was a kid, that red dropper Anton Wilson always squealed. <laughs> tell you when I was a kid, that red dropper Anton Wilson always squealed. They are pissed. They are pissed. Okay, by the time we finish this, you're all going to be practicing magicians. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the podcast where Gary and I are covering New X-Men by Grant Morrison from 2001 through 2004. We are on issue 138, and we are finishing the arc Riot at Xavier's. I get better and better at these the more we do these in a session, Gary. Like, if, if, by this logic, <laughs> we should do like 40 of these, and so number 40 would be our best podcast ever. We could just finish it. Like, that's the, yeah, that's the best, best covering yeah. uh, the bright new morning from Chuck Austin. It'll be the best <laughs> podcast we've ever done. How the worst comic we've ever covered. <laughs> Um, so to catch everybody up, uh, Quentin Quire and his group of new mutants rioted at Xavier's. Uh, they managed to uh, create a lot of violence and a lot of speeches before uh, the whole thing is taken apart by partly the X-Men, but also Stepford Cuckoos, who stepped in and basically just ended Quentin Quire. He's still alive, but his his abilities are just not working and he's he's just fucking crazy right now um yeah the result of this it's a a tragedy like it is a tragedy of the uh the teaching staff uh you know because they they basically had it under control you know for for all their faults right like i think that xavier probably would have been able to not talk quentin down but what could have stopped him potentially uh and the the cuckoos came and did the nuclear option um at great cost themselves because sophie died as the one that uh quentin choir loved the most yes um so we start with the cover like we usually do and this is just a kind of very serious forlorn looking xavier either putting Mm. cerebra hat on or taking the cerebra hat off uh uh, but it's or or just holding it still over his head you think so just like (laughs) hold it up like i'm trying to like i'm eight years old trying to tune in like the weird station that i don't quite get so i'm holding it up with my holding antenna up with my arm to try to pick it up yeah, he's, he's telling he's telling his mom that he can lift a big heavy thing. Yeah. I just want to watch a different world without static, Gary. Is that too much to yeah. ask? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this episode is called uh, "The Prime of Miss Emma Frost" uh, yes. here, and this is going to be an Emma Frost uh, issue because we've, we've done a little foreshadowing of her losing students being on the uh, tip of everyone's tongue. I uh, and, uh, I didn't notice this for the other issues, but it, uh, on the kind of introductory, like the previously page, they, they line out who the X-Men are, the special class and the Omega gang. And like in the Omega gang is just kick. <laughs> like it's a yeah. fucking member of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mascot. Yeah. 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 This would be like, if you put like, Oh, it's the Greer family, Jeremy, Autumn, their dogs, their horses and a beer. <laughs> yeah. And a microphone. You know, yeah, it's very funny. It gets its own little portrait. Uh, I love it. So 
the thing we didn't mention is that the the last kind of remaining member of the Omega Mutants is uh, B- B- Glob Herman, um, who is a living like being of wax who is currently set on fire and chasing a bunch of humans in a bus. Um, yeah. Luckily, Beast has managed to get ahead of him a little bit and uh, saves two humans before Glob just just runs directly through their car, like literally splitting mm-hmm. it in two. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah, great, great action scene here. All of this is really good action. Uh, you know, he saves him. He's running after him, trying to tackle him. He misses. Uh, Cyclops and uh, Zorn are chasing after him. Zorn jumps out uh, as Cyclops shatters the windshield, blasting Glob's shoulder to put him off balance knocking him down near a gas station, which is the worst place to take yes. you know, gigantic flaming, uh, take him out. But Zorin then picks up this big concrete mixer that happens to be there and pours uh, concrete all over Glob Herman, extinguishing him. And he is uh, like losing it. He's like saying ball, ball, ball. Uh, Beast runs in and grabs what looks like a bunch of bottles of water. Bottles of water. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's going to extinguish him. I feel like this would be like a like a tear gas situation where you should really use milk and not water. But what do, what do I know about paraffin wax, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he just says, uh, spare us the histronics, uh, histrionics, Herman, you'll live. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Yep. And we good could, line. The, the X-Men have saved the day here. Yes. And I love like, you know, Cyclops' ability to just like knock this dude off balance is really, really good. Right. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Uh, we go back over to the the Xavier Institute. And I just love that there's a pickup truck. Like they had to go rent a pickup truck so they could break concrete, this yep. piece of concrete out so they could bring blob home. Uh, yep. while, while other students frozen. Are, in yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and while other people are like cleaning up the outside of the mansion, Wolverine is running tattoo redneck. And, uh, is it radiant? Is that what you said? Radian. Radian. Um, Jesus, yeah. that's like a nightmare fucking Metal Gear Solid <laughs> character. If you've never heard one, right? <laughs> Luckily he's gone. So this is the, your last chance to not remember his name and you'll never have to not remember it again. Woo, thank God. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dodged the bullet. Felt the same way when my step cousin died. Woo. <laughs> step cousin. Which, which one you ask? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't my problem anymore. Um, so, uh, and Wolverine is doing drill sergeant shit. You know, when, when the professor convinces the authorities to hand you back, you're going to be sent to the third world where you're going to put that revolutionary energy to help, you know, to, to, to good use, helping people who need it. You're going to help so long that you bleed and you sob. And then you're going to help some more, uh, because a bright kid with a a whole life ahead of her is dead because of you people. Yep. You know? Um, and they, they try to protest like, Hey, this, uh, this is not for us. Like we were, uh, we were influenced by a superior mind. Quit inquired, like made us do it. And Wolverine's like, yeah, and I'm making you do this. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I like this. Like, this is a very, you know, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast kind of thing, but it, it works for, but like, this is what Wolverine yeah, would I mean, do in this situation. Yeah. Good, good characterization. Um, we cut over to, uh, Miss Frost doing a funeral, you know, the Rose garden Tuesday. It's been a couple days. Um, reading this poem uh, in tribute to Sophie and says like, we must be strong as strong as Sophie was, you know, um, I propose to create a shrine, uh, you know, near these roses that she loves so much. And the girls are just walking away. Um, you know, they, she's lost control. Like what a good is a shrine. Maybe you're hoping it'll inspire more children to their deaths. We were the five and one. What are we now? Yeah. And you they know? tell her they're like, going they to really resent this. Yeah, they really do. And they're going to re- and they're going to, you know, go to Twitter because apparently they're, they lost their telepathic ability when Sophie died. So they're going to go study with Madame Lafarge in Switzerland um, to instead of Emma Frost here in New York. 
I don't know anything about Lafarge. I don't know if I've read anything with her or not. I don't, yeah, I don't think Lafarge is real. I think this is a throwaway, like, okay, little joke. Because then, then uh, Emma Frost is terrified. She's like, Lafarge, she has hair on the back of her hands, you know, and she, she looks shocked and appalled uh, at this, um, you know, and uh, basically, you know, she, she asked, well, girls, what are you saying? We're saying, you know, Sophie's dead because she believed in your rubbish. Like you're all shiny surface with nothing underneath. Again, shades of, you know, parallels with Quentin Choir calling everyone out for their image here. You know, you're just nasty jokes and cleverness. People like you are a danger to young children. You know, goodbye. She's like, that's not true. I love children. Teaching is my life. And they say, if you love them so much, why do you let them die all the time? Die all the time, you silly old woman. Um, yeah, it's of course, sad. This, this, uh, this, this makes Emma so emotional that she has to turn into her diamond form. So she cuts herself off from her emotions and says, you know, I'm, I'm only 27. You ungrateful witches, wretches, which that's yeah. the most unre- un- unbelievable thing about this whole fucking arc is that yeah, yeah. is only 27 years old, but whatever. Well, she's, she's not, she's lying. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's saying it to that. That's the age she tells people, but she's like in her mid to late thirties. Yeah. You know, um, we go into the infirmity, uh, several days after that. And, um, Charles and the, beast are checking out his body uh checking out quentin's body he's in the like floating tank that beak was in for a while and Mm -hmm. uh beast is like his his body temperatures all over the place his brain cells are converting into something into something like faster than light energy and disappearing like he doesn't really know what's happening they they think that it was some sort of secondary mutation uh but they got triggered early by all of the kick uh yep and xavier's like i'm i can see into you know i can i'm here but i can't see into your mind what's going on and that's when quentin starts trying to describe what he's experiencing which is like thoughts in different languages and all of these divided little boxes that can't hear itself think and like charles describes it as like a hand scared of its fingers the loneliness and loss felt in a world without telepathy uh, yeah, which, which is I think is very like poetic and beautiful in a way. Yeah, a hand scared of its fingers is really good. Yeah, you know, um, he's saying you know he's streaming, going into bigger rooms, outside rooms, bigger than the whole world. You know, basically transcending. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to know who my parents are because I haven't been born yet. You know, things like that. Like he's it's he's experiencing time from all angles. He starts freaking out. His eyes are glowing. He's dying. Um, Xavier says, "Fetch Zorn. His healing gifts might be our last chance." And uh, here's some foreshadowing, you know, where Quentin Quire is like, Professor, the fu- it's the future already. I thought I was going to miss it. Look at the curve of time. Manhattan is gone. The school is gigantic. Um, you know, foreshadowing some stuff. Um, I'm thinking, uh, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what if you're wrong, Professor X? I couldn't help thinking those thoughts laying in the loose. Well, I'm not trying to be rude, but what if you're really wrong? What if you missed the point? And Xavier you know? responds to this like in a pretty rational way, which is saying like that's that's the question we all ask have to ask ourselves every single day, and and admits like I've I've done I've done many good things, but it's been I've made some very terrible mistakes along the way, which is extremely honest of Xavier to tell this kid because it's the truth. Like this is all of this stuff with Quentin is, is a mistake that Xavier made. Xavier could have probably prevented a lot of this from happening. Yeah, um, what Zorn what uh, Quentin is actually seeing. So Zorn comes in. Zorn says, like, no, he's not dying. He's only changing. It would be wrong to interfere. Don't be afraid. And Quentin starts saying, uh, what if we were both wrong, Professor X, and it wasn't the humans at all? Uh, again, foreshadowing. He's, like, looking right at Zorn. Mm-hmm. You know, and Zorn says, when I was a boy not much younger than you, there's a little star up in my head. And he's like, what if the real enemy was inside all along? Like, really great dramatic irony. Like, you know, what Quentin's talking about is the arc. Yes. Not talking about, you know, what's happening to him. 
And Zorn says, a flower made of lights is opening it in you. I can help you to let go of your last painful attachments to this flesh where you were grown. There is something in you that is like me. Do you see? And then opens his yeah. mask and presumably killing Quentin Quire at this point. Um, yes. I know Xavier is going to describe it as like transcending to a higher plane, but like, like there is something in you that is like me again, just that sense of dramatic irony where if you're reading this, yeah. you, you might be smart enough to put some of this together, but more than likely you're going to get blindsided by this twist that's coming later. And you go back and reread it. And you're like, Holy shit. The clues were there all the time. Mr. Yeah, Snowman. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Snowman, <laughs> Mr. Snowman, I gave you the clues. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is, this is extremely sad. Uh, we cut over to Xavier announcing the death. Like Quentin Quire was liberated from his physical cocoon and born into a higher world. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we think it's actually the literal truth. Um, basically says, you know, my methods were nonviolent. My goal was integration, but in light of these recent events, I need to, I think my approach might be an error. Um, you're free to continue your protest as long as the school, as long as you have inclination, keep in mind that the school will close for summer in six days and I will be stepping down as headmaster. So, whoa, you know, it's fucked up. Um, there's a prize giving ceremony at the end of the year. This is like, you know, graduation basically. Um, and kind of a big deal. He's going to be stepping down. Like big changes. It, it's like all of the uh, points. Like it's the, this the house system from Harry Potter with the end of the movie. Like it, Gryffindor has 170,000 points or whatever. Exact. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this kind of takes the wind out of the sails for the students that were still protesting, probably not really understanding what they were protesting very much. Yeah. Uh, and so they're they all kind of, figure. yeah, yeah. They're all just like looking around going like, okay, uh, meanwhile, on Friday, Emma Frost has taken Angel out to uh, get some new threads. And uh, basically, we, we see here that she's adopting Angel to be her next protege. Angel, of course, has still has some rough parts. And it's like, hey, you, I look totally stupid. And she's like, no, that's way behind you. You look exquisite. Like, come look in the mirror. And uh, Angel wants to talk about some important stuff. And then just, again, Emma's hubris and like she just kind of blazes over it. Like, of course you can talk to me. Like I'll tell you anything. Like first let's go get this taxi and all this stuff. Like she just isn't listening to her. When she specifically says, uh, so there's like subtext here where angel says, Mr. Zorn keeps saying I'd make a good superhero too. Um, angel has this relationship with Zorn. She knows part of Zorn's secret. Mm -hmm. So the implication here, I think is that they've been talking, you know, and we'll, we'll find that out later that there's, there's something to this. Um, also, you know, Emma is kind of, activated you know by saying like i think i make a pretty good superhero and she's trying to that is the same language that the cuckoos threw back on her face like you know being a superhero is how you inspire kids to die um really really deft characterization stuff here with emma frost with her like pathological need to have a a student yes you know have have kind of a protege yeah um we cut over to the uh, prize giving ceremony um, Xavier is giving the cuckoos uh, us a, a prize. We cut over to the special class. We haven't checked in on them for a little while. They're sitting back and watching. Uh, a great little basilisk joke here. <laughs> like, I think a small dummy, he's floating around alive in the shape of a gas, kind of near your butt. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just like, very, like, rude. <laughs> The cuckoos are dressed. The cuckoos are dressed in like these weird jumpsuits, and I just love Basilisk looking at this and going, "Them girls weird." <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> Basilisk uh, is great. Also, getting awards are uh, Beak and Angel, uh, but they are not at the table with the with the with the losers. And when they the panel where everybody's like looking to where they should be sitting, um, I just love that Basilisk sided of this table. Like he's coated the tablecloth with food. Like he's just the messiest yeah. eater ever. Like it's just a very small thing, but like of course this dude is a messy eater, right? Yeah, he doesn't have lips. You know, <laughs> just like uh, but also like it's it's a great little detail. Everyone else is polite. Um, Zorn seems pretty out of it 
and and like cranky about this whole thing mm-hmm. which again um when we cut over we cut over to uh beak and basilis rushing to get the prizes they're dressed up i love uh beak's little like suit um and uh angel is like telling to shut up like listen you know you you were born loser uh, on the label, that's what it is. And she starts puking, which a lifetime of media consumption mean tells me that if a woman pukes, she's pregnant. Of course. It's just what happens. She's either drunk or pregnant, and we, we see pregnant a lot more. That is the semiotics. God, I hope she's drunk. Um, it's the- yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, basically, you know, okay, you you be Mr. Sunshine and show me how it's done. Two words, Beaky, I'm pregnant. They're going to throw us out of the school unless we do something. And he goes, us, what does it have to, oh. Oh, because Beak is a little slow on the uptake on how some of this stuff works. Um, How baby making happens. Back at the prize giving ceremony, uh, we go over to the cuckoos uh, who are surprised that Miss Frost isn't there, but have another plan. And they start at like kind of talking amongst themselves of like, who do we know that's really good at telepathy? Uh, They can see into the hardest skull. Uh, What about one of the teachers? And uh, on an airplane that's about to land at JFK, uh, Jean Grey and uh, Dust, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her, her real name mm. are, are about to land when uh, those cuckoos telepathically contact Jean Grey mm-hmm. and yep. says, it's something we need to tell you about. It's about your husband and Miss Frost. Yeah. Again, getting revenge, mm-hmm. you know, for Sophie dying uh, by outing Cyclops in this affair. At the same time, Cyclops has found uh, Emma Frost. She's out by the Rose Garden, you know, where she's going to plan that tribute. Um, and he's like, you know, listen, I have to make a decision. You know, she says, like, this has been a hideous week. I'm so glad you're here. Like, let me get some escapism. Like, let's just get away from this and have a little fun. Like, let's go make out in our brain brain box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and takes him into the into the brain zone, the brain sex dungeon, where she's dressed up as Phoenix, you know? Uh, and basically just, like, trying to, like, she's had a rough week, right? Like, you know, uh, bereavement fills me with unforgivable loss. Like, that's her sense of humor covering up for the fact that she's actually really hurt. Yeah you know, by this and just needs a real distraction. Um, you know, uh, Cyclops trying to stop her. Like, I can't do this. She just keeps saying it's not real. They're just thoughts. Um, you know, don't, uh, don't do this. And he's really blushed, you know, blushing. Yes. And like, he, he tries to back away and she, like, we go back to the real world and then she like, you know, you, you say that you, you say that you don't want to do this, but I can feel something different. Like you, these are just ordinary emotions and like even changes her hair to look red in the psychic sex dungeon. Um, and this, this is eventually kind of what settles it. Like he, he starts getting really into this and we see this panel of his face where he's just kind of checked out. And then with Jean Grace stalking up behind him, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's been seduced, mm-hmm. you know, um, we go back into the psychic sex, dun- sex dungeon. She's like, stop trying to live up to these restrictive ideals. Let yourself fall. Stop being such a superhero. And he goes like, that's all I've ever been. I've never allowed myself to be anything else. And she's like, you can be something else here, which is, you know, part of the, this whole storyline with Cyclops and, and Emma Frost affair is that like Emma Frost is fulfilling a purpose yes. for Cyclops. Like Cyclops has a real pathology here that she is addressing. You know, there's gonna be consequences for this and she's not doing it in a forthright way, but it's real. Mm hmm. You know? And I mean, the idea of a psychic sex therapist, you know, making herself look like your wife so that you can take out your weird sexual urges, not even weird, but just like your, your sexual frustration um, mm-hmm. is probably something that would work if it wasn't just so inherently like, yeah, if it wasn't literally cheating, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it wasn't homeworking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
And of course, like during the middle of this, as she's unzipping her uh, Phoenix outfit, of course, Jean Grey comes barging in and we get our last page of the issue saying, you know, don't let, don't tell me you can explain and catches the two of them in the psychic sex dungeon bed together. I, I love that. I love also just when when it gets interrupted, uh, Emma Frost saying like, oh, Scott, you're making me lose control. I'm going to explode with passion and fry the stars. Uh, her, her like Phoenix dialogue. It's really uh, funny it's very to me. Funny. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that is like only a really confident writer can do is have characters impersonate one another. And that happens a few times in this arc. And you, you can tell that Grant Morrison has this like just perfect handle on these character voices because it can do stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not the same dialogue that Phoenix would have. It's the dialogue specifically that Emma Frost would do while kind of making fun of the Phoenix. Yeah. Making fun of her and also just like aping her to a degree. Like it's exactly. uh, And it's, and like, this is a real weird way to end a five issue arc. I think like we, we wrapped everything up at the beginning of the book and then move on to this, which is going to kind of set up the next arc. Uh, And it's super interesting. Like, all of this Quentin choir stuff, like Quentin's dead. They're going to go send these poor mutant kids to human jail, which I mean, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, Wolverine. <laughs> can you, can you, die. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get out, we're going to send you to a third world country. Like that seems like maybe you should rehabilitate these kids in a different way than, I don't know, sending them to a third world country. I don't, but whatever. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Like overall, again, one of my favorite arcs in this run, if not one of my favorite X-Men arcs ever, uh, not the least of which is just because of some of the Scott and Jean stuff and this Emma stuff. Like, I, oh I yeah, think Scott and Emma are a really interesting couple, and th- this is going to shake up this entire relationship in the X Men universe for years and years to come. And I very much enjoy it. Me too. Um, the the thing about this having the the first issue and the last issue not totally being about the riot is that like one of the things that I love about this issue is how it ties into the rest of the run. You know, not just with the Scott and Jean stuff, but also with the uh, Zorn stuff, you know, and the foreshadowing. Like, this is a great arc on its own, but it has these tendrils into kind of strengthening the stories around it as well. Exactly. You know, really good development on these two major subplots of the uh, thing and great character development on a bunch of characters that have been introduced but not gotten a lot of time. You know, we got a little bit of time with Angel, a little bit of time with Beak. Um, we're getting, you know, this is kind of centering them in a way that is cool. Yes. Um, um and that's really it. it lead, like what a leads great, into an arc I like a lot too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the, the murder at the mansion is, is really, really good. Not, I mean, Hey, Bishop's going to show up in a couple issues, Gary. Are you excited <laughs> yep. to talk about Bishop without harmonicas? <laughs> oh, dude. Um, so yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Um, hopefully you're, you're still reading along with us or reading ahead of us. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate all of the support you've given us since you have, uh, since we have changed the format of the show. If you want to support us directly, patreon.com slash is the best place to do so. That's also the best place to tell us, uh, who on the duck feed network you'd like to guess that or not guest, but host the show. If it wasn't me or Gary, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we ever do that swappy thing, you can't just sub me out for everything. I get to stay on some shows. <laughs> Yeah. I, Autumn asked yeah. me the other day it was like I got a weird tweet asking why me and Cole would be on an episode of everything to Guppy what's going on and I'm like I, do, I don't know I don't know what's happening <laughs> fucking, I never thought about that combo but that's pretty incredible <laughs> can you imagine I, I imagine Autumn has not played everything to Gu- you know played Guppy and just watched you and I think Cole has maybe played a couple levels of it and just being like what is your trenchant insight on uh, you know Azazel Autumn hates when I played the binding of Isaac, she despises it. <laughs> uh, and you would think it would be because of like the, just the aesthetic of it. 
Sure. It's, it's baby Ooh. shit, baby blood. It's it's dumb abortion jokes, all that kind of stuff. But she just thinks it's incredibly boring. She's like, this is like every screen looks the same. Like, and I'll get like a crazy run. I'll be like, look at this stuff. She goes, it just looks like garbage on the screen. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so like the idea of giving her, I don't know, like the fucking luck up item or something, which she's like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> Autumn, what's your type 15 on the concept of luck? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah it's very uh, funny it would be pretty um, good yeah so yeah, anyway we, well uh, me and me and cole will start actually looking at that and doing some spreadsheets and figuring out how to do host swap bundle because the demand has been really high people really like that idea so, yeah yeah people good idea, jeremy like if uh if people like people added me on twitter i think when you guys talked about it on whatever recent episode that i haven't tracked down yet so like i know people would be super into it yeah so uh what people will also be into is going to patreon.com slash tv and uh, getting a bunch of cool extra stuff in exchange for supporting your boys mm-hmm. uh, and girls and uh, and also going to Apple Podcasts, leaving reviews and also telling your friends and blogging about the show. Things yeah. like that. Go, you know what? Make a vlog. Like, get after it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get your, point your fucking camera at your fucking face and record something saying that the Days of Future <laughs> cast rules and put it on your fucking vlog. Your fucking vlog. <laughs> you, you jackal. Uh, We'll Uh, be back in a couple of days with Murder at the Mansion.